0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to
1: Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And we also celebrate Mississippi for that matter. In fact, with just a second, we're going to be going over to our guest guest for the first part of the show today, Mike McCormick, who's the president of the Mississippi Farm Bureau Fed- Federation. We'll come back to Mike here in just a second. I wanted to share something with you, something that's been passed around social media, apparently. And uh, my wife, Ann, sent it to me this morning because I think it's something to share. I, I think it really says something very important. But anyway, as you know, the uh, the Southern Miss football team played Alabama over the weekend. The outcome, obviously, was not that good. But a, a guy by the name of a reporter for WVT, WVTM thirteen, his name is Rick Carl, posted this, and I'll ask Kyle to show you what it's referring to, but essentially this is what he said. It was a gesture that went unnoticed by many after the Bama slammed, after Bama slammed Southern Miss over the weekend sixty-three to fourteen. But it was was a gesture that I think is worthy to pass along to you. It was a long, painful night last Saturday for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, but before leaving Tuscaloosa, Coach Will Hall's equipment crew not only cleaned the visitors' locker room inside Bryant Denny Stadium, but they left it spotless. Dirt, sweat, tape, wristbands, braces, water bottles, trash, all cleaned up and disposed of by the Southern Miss football team. The USM folks have always lived by the motto, leave it better than you found it, and they certainly stepped up last Saturday night. Even out after being beaten and bruised the equipment folks from Hattiesburg were kind and courteous that deserves attention that deserves applause well done, Southern Miss. Well done. What a great message. And look at, you know, for the Facebook and YouTube audience and the Super Talk TV audience, you can see literally it's spotless. Uh, man, you know, as the new host of uh, Super Talk Outdoors, the whole notion of leaving it better than you found it is true in the outdoors. It's true whether you're doing business or working in the community, whether it's, you know, just leaving a legacy in your family. What a great thing to live by. But anyway, Without any further ado, let's move over to our, my guest today, Mike McCormick, somebody I've actually been looking forward to spending some time with. He's the president of the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. We're going to learn more about the Farm Bureau uh, Federation. We're going to learn that they actually had National Farm and Safety Week last week. We'll talk a l- little bit about that. But, but just in general, I want to get to know Mike better. So good morning, Mike. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great and I appreciate you uh, putting that uh, good piece out on Southern Miss. I'm actually a graduate of there. You don't think of a farmer uh, being from Southern Miss, but my dad thought it was important for me to have a business degree and uh, they had a great business program there. So I spent uh, three and a half
1: years there, uh, fond memories and uh, proud alumnus of Southern Miss. And so am I. So and my wife, Ann is from Southern Miss and two of my kids are from Southern Miss and um you know, one son, one son had to had to get off the reservation. We went as a guest of Dave Dennis to Auburn once to go to a football game, and um, Dave, you know, sung the praises of Auburn. My son Justin was really young at the time, but made a goal at that moment to go to to go to Auburn. So he went to Auburn, and we enjoyed sort of being an Auburn family. And uh, he works in New York City for Price Waterhouse now, but had a great experience there. But the rest of us are to the top, 100%. That's, that's, where, that's where we are in our family. Uh, Mike, tell me more about yourself. Where, where are you from? You, you talked about being a farmer. I know that was in your past. You're very passionate about that. What you guys do to help farmers and people in that community on so many different levels is really important. Tell me where you come from.
2: I grew up uh, and have lived all my life in a little place called Union Church, uh, Mississippi. It's in Jefferson County, one of the more rural areas of uh, the state of Mississippi, which is a pretty rural state, but uh, that's home to me. My family moved there, Ricky, and uh, uh, in 1820, uh, settled there, uh, came, came uh, from uh, North Carolina with 22 other sets of Macs, McCormicks, McCarns, McHales. They were all Scott Irish uh, immigrants and uh, came there and looking for some place to uh, farm uh, to grow cotton and uh, have some water there and good place to raise a family and started the community, and uh, we've been there ever since. So my my roots run deep in the Mississippi soil. We, uh, my dad, uh, after World War II, came back and uh, started uh, cleaning up some land right on the banks of the Mississippi River uh, below the gro- old gross, uh, ghost town of Rodney, Mississippi. If you've ever heard of Rodney, it's where they have the cannonball in the church. It's a uh, pretty unique history uh, for our part of the world. Uh, Jefferson and and, uh, uh, Adams County were the first two uh, counties in the state of Mississippi. So some of the earlier settlers uh, came there. And uh, so uh, I have a long history of uh, uh, farming there in the area and uh, went off to school. My dad didn't really want me to come back to the farm and farm. And farming was really tough uh, back uh, after I got out of college. And he wanted me to have an easier life than him. Uh, he wanted me to get a business degree and go do something else. So I spent some time uh, off the farm uh, working for some major companies, uh, but always my heart uh, was uh, there in Jefferson County. Uh, found a way to be able to move back home. Uh, me, my wife is from there as well. Uh, her her dad farmed there and we were able to move back home and, and buy a farm for ourselves in the early 1990s. And I've been doing that on my own uh, since then. Uh, but when I got back home, I realized it probably wasn't a whole lot easier uh, then than it was for my dad uh, when he was going through it. And I knew I needed a friend and I needed somebody uh, that could help me with the problems that I was having on my farm and fix uh, things from a regulatory or legislative uh, uh, standpoint. And I realized that staying behind the fences on my farm. Uh, wasn't going to solve those problems that I had to get uh, outside my fence rows and and get involved with somebody that could help me and that's Farm Bureau that's what they were set up to do to in the 1920s in the heart of uh, the depression and after World War I and and a pandemic the the Spanish flu the Farm Bureau grew up all over the United States to work on behalf of the farmers uh, to solve problems uh, to help farmers and and people that live in rural areas live a better, have a better living and and make a better life. So uh, I started my association with them in the early nineties and uh, through that process moved up uh, to county president and then on the state board of directors. And seven years ago, I I had the great opportunity to be elected by my peers around the state to be Farm Bureau president and uh, get the chance to work every day here in Jackson. Uh, with the legislature here in Washington D.C. and across all the business entities that we work uh, for on behalf of our members, it's just been a wonderful experience to me that uh, uh, God has given me. It's it's truly been uh, a path that He put on my plate that uh, for me to be here with you today and be the Farm Bureau president.
1: Well, I'll congratulate you for that and for your dedication to helping farmers in the state. You know, when you think about when you think about industry, people have a tendency to. want to think about Ingalls, for example. Very big employer, very important employer. One of the important bookends here in coastal Mississippi and one of the most important industries in the state of Mississippi. But they don't tend to think of farming at the level that it is, I mean, it's the top industry in the state of Mississippi, billions of dollars associated with it. And one of, the, one of the great opportunities for me over the past 30 years, getting to go to the Mississippi Delta, spend time there, you know, really understanding the rich history of that alluvian soil there. Uh, certainly farming takes place outside of the Delta, but for me, the education was going to the Delta and learning. And then I lease a lot of land. I lease uh, several thousand acres from farmers there. Chris Killebrew is the farmer on our main property, and then the Dunn family out of Greenwood is uh, very, very close friends. Uh, Dwight and and uh, uh, Travis and, and his brother—all just terrific family. Um, but I get a chance to see through their eyes that it's it's not it's tough. It's just it's tough being a farmer, and you got to you you live by. The weather, you live by the the changes in the markets, you know, um, you know the tariff situation and watching that and how it affected farm. I mean, it is a multifaceted, multidimensional situation, and uh, it's not easy. But man, we are lucky though in this state to have so many dedicated farmers that are that are sort of setting the stage for Mississippi as as in this major industry, aren't we?
2: Absolutely. And those people that you mentioned, the Kerbrews, are great members of mine uh, on the board, and, uh, and actually in Holmes County. I think he farms up uh, closer to green Greenwood, maybe, but uh, yeah. they're they're members of ours, and we work on their behalf. Um, uh, there's a lot of great agriculture in the Mississippi Delta, and when you're looking at row crops such as corn or cotton or or uh, soybeans, a lot of that production happens uh, in the Mississippi Delta, but I think something that you would be curious to know is, is the top two agricultural uh, crops here in the state are grown outside the Mississippi Delta. Our top two commodities are uh, poultry, and that's by far uh, the biggest industry here in the state from a commodity standpoint. And then forestry. So a lot of that happens down in your part of the world along the Gulf Coast, uh, just a county or two up. You get in a lot of the. The poultry uh, industry up there. So uh, agriculture is almost an $8 billion a year, uh, 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 contributes to the economy of the state. Uh, and uh, we, we contribute about somewhere between 25 and 30 percent of the total workforce in some way touches agriculture in the state. So we've got a big footprint. Uh, when I talk to uh, Ah, uh, the legislature about our needs, such as infrastructure needs, roads and bridges. Uh, we need uh, uh, more money for those in in the rural parts of the state and our local counties, and uh, that's that's important to our farmers uh, to uh, to have that support.
1: Well, look, we're visiting with uh, with Mike McCormick, who's the president of the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, there's so much more to talk about. We'll see you after this break. Welcome back to Coast View. If there's an industry in this state, and this includes the Mississippi Gulf Coast, if there's an industry in this state that is king, it's farming. And farming reaches across a wide spectrum of uh, commodities, as, as Mike McCormick, the president of the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, just said before we went to break. But it, you know they do educational programs, safety programs. They're really focused on so many aspects of what can make a farmer's life you know manageable i guess it's cuz there's so many things coming at farmers these days but hey before we go back to you know the conversation as you know to pick up where we left off i just wanted to mention the you know, farm bureau has had a long association with super talk and as as a, as an extension to that you got to know JT Williamson really well over all those years and unfortunately we've all had to sort of deal with the aftermath of JT's passion. but but there was really no one in this state more dedicated and passionate about this state than J.T. Um, you know, what would you say about J.T., Mike?
2: It was just heartbreaking to lose J.T. We lost such a supporter. Uh, he was always uh, there for us anytime we needed to tell the story uh, for our farmers, or people in the rural areas. Uh, he was just one of us. He was one of a kind and a uh, great-hearted person, always uh With his heart in the right uh in the right place and uh we hate to lose him i know that there'll be others that'll come along and do a great job but jt was just really special to us here at farm bureau
1: yeah he had a you know jt had a very unique approach to talking to the average guy i mean he could help you understand why this issue over here is real should be important to you and people like that they liked his his sort of country approach, his practical approach, his incredible passion and man, he loved what he did. I mean, even even as he fought cancer, to have him regularly come onto the show and talk about what he wanted to do to use his situation to improve other people's situation who were in his situation. I mean, he never to to the end, I mean, he never missed an opportunity to try to make this world a better place and man, he lived that mission and um. It just it seemed appropriate, frankly, that J T. would have such a great relationship with the Farm Bureau. I'm I'm I appreciate those kind words, and I know that I know, and I I can't tell you how much I agree with what you said.
2: He just always brought such a positive approach. And the last time I talked to him was by telephone and one of his close friends here uh, in my office that works with me. He said, hey, you tell Henry that I'm going to be back soon. I'm going to beat this. I got this and, and I'm going to be back there in the Farm Bureau office. So we we miss him and our prayers are still with his family and and uh, just uh, just what a great guy.
1: Well, okay, so let's come back to the Farm Bureau now. So the far, when people think about the Farm Bureau, they think they immediately think about insurance. So tell the relationship between the insurance company and the Farm Bureau Federation.
2: So in the in the 1920s uh, when we set up Farm Bureau, it was for the mission to carry the legislative burden For our farmers, both here in Mississippi and in Washington, uh, but to also solve problems to solve problems for farmers and people that live in rural areas. And in the 1940s, the the leadership at the time, not just here in Mississippi, but all over the United States, uh, they were hearing from their members that we can't get insurance in rural areas of our state. Uh, So the Farm Bureau's uh, independently, each state is an independent operation, uh, started forming their own insurance companies at a time when they were pretty unique. They were the only ones out there willing to step out on the line and uh, work with uh, people that live in rural areas. Uh, In the 1940s, uh, that took place. Uh, We're very, uh, very fortunate, uh, Ricky, that uh, the leadership of a lot of the southern states met at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and decided uh, that they would form these companies all over uh, all, all over the South, and and when they popped a line on the map, it was uh, presidents of the federations from Texas to North Carolina. They felt like that Jackson, Mississippi, was centrally located in that, and they actually built the home offices that the umbrella operations for uh six states that do property and casualty business and 10 states that do life insurance business so we have a uh, a big footprint here we, we employ somewhere between 1500 and 2000 employees or con- independent contractors throughout the state uh here for the insurance company things changed after hurricane katrina y'all know about hurricane katrina we were uh, uh hit pretty hard with that storm along the mississippi gulf coast and it it really uh Changed our insurance operation. We had a mutual company before then. Uh, now we're a wholly owned subsidiary of of the parent company, uh, which means that uh, my role in that is I'm uh, I'm on the board of directors, uh, but it's not what I do on a daily basis. We have insurance people that that run that. So I'm very proud that our forefathers had the. Uh, uh, idea that this was a good thing to do and it's turned out to be a good thing for Mississippi. We're, uh, we do well here and uh, I think people like Farm Bureau because they know we take care of our, our members and we take care of our commitment. If we make a promise, we'll stay behind it.
1: Well, I mentioned to you, you didn't know this before we talked today, but I, I literally wrote my check, my membership check this morning for my membership in the Farm Bureau Federation. And then also uh, the insurance side of things, yeah, we have a family hunting uh, camp, and so we, our insurance is actually through the Farm Bureau Insurance Company. So, I it's, appreciate uh, it's, that.
2: And the membership is—is is, you're a member of the federation, and the insurance is just a member benefit, uh, like we have other things that are member benefits as well. So, if you're wondering why you have to pay a membership. Uh, to get Farm Bureau insurance, that's why it's still uh, still the same thing that we set up in the nineteen twenties. That's the nonprofit side of things. The insurance company is a for profit; they're totally separate. The way that they're they're set up, but you are a member. Uh, you don't have to be um uh, have insurance with Farm Bureau to be a member, but to be uh, in our insurance company, you do have to be a member.
1: So we appreciate that. I'm a proud. I'm a proud member. Thank you. Um, so, look, let's come back. Last week was National Farm and Safety Week. Uh, that's important for a lot of reasons, but talk about why in this moment it's important to, to focus on that.
2: Well, I think uh, farming is one of the most dangerous occupations out there. Uh, one of some of the calls that I I, uh, I really uh, hate getting is when one of our members Uh, have been in an accident. Uh, We get uh, it uh, uh, more often than I would like to uh, get those calls uh, from a wife or family member to say, just want you to know that this happened. So uh, the Farm Bureau uh, works uh, uh, on behalf of our farmers and educational things that we can do are some of the most important uh, aspects of my job. Uh, you, some of the things that we do are policy related and you can't really wrap your hands around it, but if you pr- present a program somewhere and it saves somebody's life, uh, then uh, that's something that you can take home and say, hey, uh, we really made an impact in the world today. Uh, we do have a good many different programs that we do. Uh, we uh, we have some uh, discounts on, on some uh, 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 safety seats uh, for your vehicle, but Uh, One of the most important things that that we picked up on a number of years ago was how dangerous it it is for farmers to work inside of grain bins. So when we harvest our crop, we put them in storage inside of a grain bin. Uh, You have to get in there from time to time. Uh, Things get clogged up as you're uh, taking the grain back out of those, but it's a very, very, very dangerous place to be. It's almost like working in quicksand. And once you uh, become entrapped in the, the grain, it actually starts sucking you down. And we uh, we were having uh, uh, tragedies of people uh, dying in, in grain bin uh, 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 all around the state, all around the U.S. So we started a grain bin safety program. We've got a simulator here. We go out to farms and uh, put on the presentation there. But more importantly, we put on the presentation for uh, the emergency management people that work in the counties to show them the proper way because it's almost backwards from what you think of of how you would get somebody out of that so uh, I think over the last three or four years I know of 12 lives that we've saved uh, through those direct programs uh, of uh, those type of training and it's it's that's that's just really special uh, to be able to be part of that process
1: what's what's really interesting looking at it again through the eyes of the farmers that I know that um the equipment's come a long way. The equipment they use today has so many safety features on it. I mean, they're, they're computer machines now. They're GPS-driven and all that. So we've really advanced in that respect. I remember actually well when I was working at the Sun-Herald, I went to Minnesota for some training. And while I was there, there was actually a green bin accident. And I was assigned to the reporter that was covering that. And, uh, man, it was just so tragic to, to, to understand how something seemingly so simple so basic, turned deadly so rapidly, and they couldn't reverse it. And I, I understand why you pointed that out because I, I mean, after having been impacted by that, obviously I've never been involved in anything to do with a grain bin, but but I came to understand how incredibly dangerous it was.
2: It's, it's bad and I think uh, there's some things that can be done to prevent those tragedies and we've done a really good job of uh, training uh, people around our state and even the Southeast with our program. I have two uh, people on staff that that's all they do every day is safety educational work in the schools, uh, the this grain bin uh, program and other things. And then we put out a lot of information uh, through Super Talk and radio and, and even, even over the uh, digital uh, means of, of just giving people, the uh, putting it in their heads that farming is a, a really dangerous occupation. And you were talking about the machines. They are so much more advanced now, but they're so much bigger. So the person driving a tractor down the road or a combine or a sprayer probably can't see you very well coming up from behind them. And we're in an age of distracting driving. So where people are, are uh, texting and driving a lot, Uh, The tractors and the slow-moving vehicles, if they're marked, they have the right-of-way on the road, and they're only going 18 to 20 miles an hour, maybe even slower, and you can have a really bad accident. And those are the tragic ones that I get to call on of of, uh, tractors or somebody on a piece of equipment that's been hit from behind from a car that that never saw them, that hit them full steam on behind. So uh, we're working hard to uh, educate and uh, say, don't text and drive, give our farmers a break. They want to go home and
1: uh, do their job and go home with their families every night. So uh, I'm proud of the work that we do on farm safety. Well, Mike McCormick, president of Mississippi Farm Bureau, it's been a – Federation, it's been a pleasure to meet you. I look forward to having you back on. And we'll have you on my outdoor – Super Talk Outdoor show at some point. Until then, have a great time and a great weekend, and we'll see you later. Thank you, Rick. You bet. We'll have uh, Jeff Duncan when we come back.